Good morning. You, ready? you guys ready for the word? All right, let's get into it. Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bible. I do want to remind you, if you're new to Great Oaks uh, and you've got little kids, we would love to minister to your little kids, your kids over there. Fifth uh, and under, go into kids' ministry. You can just check them in when you come in. They're always welcome in the service. We love kids in the service if you want to have them in here. But just in case you're new and you didn't know that, next week when you come in, go left when you walk in, which means you're not going to get coffee right when you walk in, so that might be bad. So maybe you go right, get the coffee first, then go check your kids in. Uh, but we would love to minister to your kids in a way that is uh, targeted at their age, uh, which I, I believe our team does very, very well. And so Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bible, um, I think if you have kids, speaking of kids, uh, You'll know, you'll have a story similar to the one I'm about to tell you. I have three kids, uh, nine, five, just turned five, and two years old. And so uh, a, a couple of years ago uh, when they were, my two-year-old's almost three now, but a couple of years ago when they were more like seven, three, and, and one-ish, uh, we were out and about running errands uh, in our minivan and I'm the kind of dad that loves minivans. I don't know if that's weird or not, but I love minivans. I think it's the way to go. So I think dads just get over it, all right? Just get a minivan. It's awesome. So we're out in the minivan, um, which our son Joshua has said is a transformer called Black Hornet. But anyways, um, we're out driving, and we've got, uh, we're running errands or whatever, and and uh, we're going to go to another place, you know, go to the next thing. I don't remember what it was. Uh, but we realized it was, it was getting close to lunchtime. How many of you know if you have little kids, lunchtime is a big deal, right? And so you're always, if you have little kids, and if you have big kids, if you have grown kids, you've forgotten, okay? But when you have little kids, you're always trying to think about um, how to quell the crazy, right? Uh, you don't want the crazy to get out. You want to keep it down. And one of the main things within that is that you got to feed them on time, right? You got to get them food. You got to get them the nap. You got to do all that. So it's like, a, it's like a thing. If you've got little kids, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you guys just like are sitting on the couch and you're like, hey, let's go out. Let's go to a movie. Let's go to the park. And then you just like stand up. And you just go out. And people in my season of life think that's ridiculous. Like there are things to consider, right? You can't just willy-nilly walk out. You just willy-nilly go out, go to the movie, whatever. No, we got to think about things. We got to plan. We got to, there are naps and diaper changes and lunch. And that one's going to take 30 minutes to put his shoes on. And that one is definitely going to have a fecal explosion on the way out. And it's just that there are things to consider, right? Like you can't just willy-nilly go out. You guys who don't have little kids, you've forgotten this if you had them before. But this is the season of life I'm in. And so a couple of years ago when we're, when we're out running errands, going to go do something else, go to the museum, go to the store. I can't remember what it was, uh, but we noticed it was lunchtime. And so we realized we got to do something or the crazy is going to get out, right? The crazy is going to get out. They're going to be hangry. There's going to be um, gnashing of teeth and the kicking of feet and the pulling, maybe the pulling of hair and the rending of clothes. I'm not sure. But all something's going to happen uh, to those monsters. I mean, angels in the back of the van. And so we go, Aaron and I, my wife and I are talking through what we're going to do, our plan, our battle plan for the crazy. Do we go home first? Do we grab, can we grab something quick? Will they be able to handle themselves for the next 30 minutes so we can do this thing? Is it going to get us into nap time? We're having those conversations. And my seven-year-old at the time, Kennedy, is listening to these things from the back of the van. 
And so listening to the battle plan against the crazy, here's what we're going to do. And we come up with what we're going to do. And uh, Kennedy, somehow, she didn't hear lunch involved in the plan. And so from the back seat, she goes, what about lunch? What about we can't go without lunch? We'll die. I mean, this girl has never missed a meal in her life. But it sounds like the worst part of hell to her, right? So she's like, what about lunch? It was funny. And so, you know, of course, we said, baby, we'll, we'll get you fed before you die. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We said, I said, have I ever starved you before? Haven't I taken, haven't I taken care of you to this point? It's, it's funny. You've got to feed them and get them a nap or the crazy will come out. And the kids start to worry. My, my seven-year-old was worried. She wasn't sure that I was going to get her what she needed. That's ridiculous, right? I've always provided for her. I've always given her what she's needed. I've never made her miss a meal that I can remember. Kids are funny like that, right? But we're in a series uh, on the Sermon on the Mount called Red Letters, where uh, we're looking at Jesus' words. We call it red letters because in most Bibles, Jesus' words are in red. And so the Sermon on the Mount is the largest collection of Jesus' sayings and word, un- uninterrupted collection in all of the Bible. And so we're looking at six things, six weeks here, looking at some things that Jesus said. And so to remind you of the context, Jesus has been preaching for a while. Matthew chapter 4 uh, says that Jesus was preaching repent or change uh, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand hand and so he's been doing that and performing miracles for a while and he's got a little bit of a crowd following him people who want to give their lives over to him people who want to be followers of Jesus people who want to repent and so he kind of gathers them up in the Sermon on the Mount and it's like a big family meeting he's talking about what it looks like to be in his family he's saying you've said you're going to repent you said you want to change now here's what that means and he goes topic after topic after topic issue after issue after issue and he says this is what my kids will look like and this is what those kids look like this is what my family will look like and this is what those people who aren't my family would look like who aren't my followers will look like and so over and over he's making this distinction by saying don't be like them Don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be like the world. Don't be like the Jews. Don't be like the Pharisees. Be different. We're going to be different. And so he's laying this all out in the Sermon on the Mount to his family. And we've studied four out of six. Today is number five. So we've talked about the red letters on anger, lust, divorce, and money. Today, it's worry, anxiousness stress. And worry is something we deal with in our culture and in our time, right? A number one category of prescription medication, antidepressants. One of the number one reported problems is, the health problems, is sleeplessness. People are anxious, they're stressed out, they're freaked out, they can't get past whatever's going on in their lives. We take less vacation than we have in many decades 
Because we can't imagine getting away from our job and losing some kind of control. And when we do take vacation, many of us take our phones and our laptops so that we can remain connected the whole time back to the office because we're so freaked out that we might miss out on something or something might not happen like we want it to while we're gone. We can't even take a break. It's called anxiousness. Many of you, maybe most of you, are so anxious, so worried so stressed. But here's some good news. Jesus is not the far-off, disconnected God of many other religions. Jesus, he left heaven, came to earth, lived a life like you are living now, experienced what you are experiencing now. Jesus then tells us things that we want to hear. Let me say that again. He tells us, he talks about things that we want him to talk about. He talks about things that are important to us because he's been through them. He's experienced them before. He teaches us about things that matter, that we're dealing with, things that are important. Not just for heaven someday, but for our lives right here, right now on earth. Because Jesus really does love us. He really does want to serve us. He really does want to help us. And listen, we believe the Bible. Like Great Oaks is a Bible-believing church. I want you to hear that. If you're looking for a church that just kind of thinks the Bible is kind of important, or it's just one holy book among many, or it's just full of a bunch of good stories that help us live a good life, if you want a church like that, you're probably in the wrong place. Great Oaks is a Bible-believing church. The whole Bible. We believe it's all the inspired Word of God that's going to help us live how God wants us to live, one. But the other thing is, listen clearly, or listen closely, beloved. The Bible has very important things for us to apply to our lives, but that only matters if you know Jesus. The Bible is about Jesus. And so we, we approach the Bible as true, and, and not just true like a crossword puzzle is true, or a textbook is true, or a financial ledger is true, that's somehow disconnected and on an island away from our lives. We approach it as true in that it's going to be helpful and good, but we also approach it as something that's going to lead us to Jesus. We read the Bible so that he can take our sins away, so that he can give us the power and the presence of God the Holy Spirit to transform our lives. We read the Bible to get ideas and principles, but not just to work some kind of a system to be moral good people. We read it because we want to know Jesus, and we want him to transform our lives. Does that make sense? That's what we, I thought I might get one amen, and I did. I got one, but you guys are failing in the center section. Okay, so worry, anxiety, you guys are failing too. Okay, worry, anxiety, and stress. Is what we're talking about. So what am I going to do? Like, where, where am I going to get what I need? What if I don't have everything I need? What if, what if I don't get the job? What if, what if I don't fix this? What if I can't fix this? What if my husband cheats on me? What if my wife leaves me? What if my kid never stops throwing fits? What if my teen never stops being a jerk? What if my grown kid never gets the job after being laid off, never finds another job? What, what am I going to do? Some of you have these kinds of worries. Some of you have 
another kind of worries. You're worried about things that just don't matter. Like, what if I don't get the laundry done in time? Or I'm worried that my shirt doesn't look right. Or I'm worried that my three-year-old won't be the valedictorian of her class if I don't teach her Latin before she's four. I'm worried about this stuff. I'm worried. I'm stressed out. Okay, why? Because I've got so much to do. Okay, well, tell me what you got to do. Well, I've got travel baseball and travel softball and travel football and travel basketball and travel ferret racing and travel basket weaving. I've got travel everything, Pastor. Okay, well, maybe you need to cut back on that, maybe. I'm stressed. I'm anxious. I'm worried. Okay, why are you worried? I got a lot to do. I mean, like this week, I got to get my oil changed. I got to do laundry. I got to paint the bathroom. I got to spend at least two hours surfing Facebook. And I'm really working on that high score in Candy Crush, Pastor. I got stuff to do. I'm worried. Some of you worry like that. Some of you are worried about things that are so beyond you. Pastor, I'm just so worried. Okay, what are you worried about? Well, global warming. I'm worried about an artificial intelligence singularity event. It's coming. It's coming. I'm worried about puppies being mistreated in Asia. I'm worried about chickens being caged. I'm just worried about stuff. Some of you are worried about our country, right, on both sides. Like, what if the Republicans don't keep Congress? What if they do, right? Some of you are worried on either side of that. Everything's going to fall apart if I don't get my guy in to public office. You're worried, stress. Jesus is going to tell us a few things about worry today. He's going to give us a key, really two keys to worry. But first, four things worry is based on Jesus' red letters, Jesus' words about it in Matthew chapter 6. Let's read the first verse there. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Don't worry, Jesus says. Don't be anxious. Life is more than food and more than clothing. And so write this down. The first thing he says about worry is that worry is short-sighted. It mistakes what happens now, what matters now for what matters most. Worry is all about perspective, isn't it? And we're in trouble when it comes to perspective because eternally, we don't have any. So that's a problem. But it's all about what we think is important in the moment. It's all about the now. Worry mistakes what matters now for what matters most. And living where we live only adds to the problem because we're so consumed with our material wants and our needs. We're worried about things that most of the world doesn't even have the luxury to worry about, right? We think it's important now. Whatever it is we're worried about, we think it's vital now, that it's the priority now. I get that, but but it's not. It's not. It's short-sighted. Let me hit this from two angles. First of all, if what you're worried about is actually the most important thing, is actually priority, is actually something you should be worried about, 
then once you have that thing taken care of, you'll stop worrying. So let me give you an example. If you're worried about the job, keeping the job, getting the job, whatever it is, if you're worried about that, you're just consumed with anxiety, anxiousness over that, then when the job thing gets taken care of, you either keep the job or you get the job or whatever, when it gets taken care of, then you won't have anything to worry about. But is that what happens? No. You, you worry about this forever. It gets taken care of, and then may, some of you, minutes later, you've already replaced it with something to worry about, something else to worry about. Days, maybe weeks. Now you're going to worry about something else. It's because that thing that you were worrying about actually isn't vital, actually isn't something you should be worried about. If lunch is the most important thing, you're worried about that, then once you eat lunch... You'll stop worrying. What, ha- what happens is that you worry about lunch. Then you eat lunch only to worry about dinner. If you're me. It's short-sighted. It's just this cycle. It's this never-ending cycle. Within this life, right now, it's short-sighted. That's the first angle. But there's also the eternal side of things. And if you've been here long... You know, I'm always trying to get us to think about eternity, to think about the logic of eternity. And what I mean by that is I think we need to make a decision as Christ followers if we really believe in eternity or not. Do you really believe that there is something after this life, that there is heaven with Jesus after this life, that there is an eternity after this life, that there is a forever? Do you really believe that? Or not. Not just say it, but, but really believe it. Because if you do, then that should change the decisions you make. It should change the way you live. It should change the amount of life that you walk in. It should change things. Because if eternity is real, then, then the logic follows that what happens is in this life, the failures, the worries, the stresses, the difficulties of this life, actually don't matter all that much. That in light of eternity, they are incredibly insignificant. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying here. You know, you, you can take that to think maybe we just check out. Maybe we don't do anything. Maybe it's not nothing's worth anything. But, but that's not the truth because another side to the logic of eternity is that me and everyone else that I come into contact with in my life are all headed straight for hell for eternity outside of surrendering our lives completely and fully o- over to Jesus. So we can't just check out. We can't do that. But I do think that this idea of eternity should shape The way we worry, or if we worry, it should affect how we worry. Because if you're worrying about this life, what you'll eat, what you'll wear, the car you'll drive, the size of your house, you can't possibly believe in eternity, not for real. Because you're consumed with what in the end will be a temporary blip on the map of eternity, right? I mean, what is 80 years in 200? What is 80 years in 2,000? What is 80 years in 200,000? I mean, as we zoom out on that timeline, your life, the 80-year span of your life, really begins to be, you can't even see it. It just disappears. It's this temporary blip. Worrying is short-sighted, Jesus says. It confuses what matters now with what matters most. Jesus goes, life is more than this stuff. It's more than just this stuff. 
Look at what he says next, starting in, in verse 26. Jesus says he's going to talk about birds and lilies uh, to help us understand. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, listen to this, verse 27, and which of you, Jesus says, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? So worry is short-sighted. Now Jesus says worry is stupid. It's just stupid. It does nothing to help your situation. He goes, what does it gain you? What does it do for you? Worry does nothing for you. What does it benefit? Has it ever added one hour to your lifespan? The answer is no. It doesn't do anything for you. He goes, I don't want you to be anxious because you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to take away from your life. You're going to shorten the duration of your life by worrying. You're actually going to mess your life up if you're ruled by fears and anxieties, Jesus is saying. Now, is that true? I mean, is Jesus on to something? Does he know what he's talking about here, that, it, that worry and anxiety actually does affect your life physically, emotionally, mentally? Well, think about when you go to the doctor. If you go to the doctor and you say, hey, I'd really like to live a long time instead of a short time, right? It's okay. I'd like to live a long time. What does he say? Does he say, you know what the key to that will be? Like, if you could just stress out, that'd be great. Like, if you would just freak out, if you would just be anxious all the time, man, you'll live, you might make it 400 years. If you'll live just in this state of anxiety, like, you should probably, you know what you should do? You should take 10 days off of work and just have like a 10-day long worry sesh. Just do that. Just go and freak out. Is that what he... Is that what the doctor says? No. What does he say? Every time you go for a health checkup, he says, reduce stress. You need to reduce stress. You need to chill out. You need to take a break. You need to take a vacation. If you can reduce stress and maybe move from like a whole box of Twinkies a day to like half of a box of Twinkies a day, if you could do both of those, then you might like live for a while, right? You might actually make it for the next couple of years. Jesus, Jesus knows what he's talking about here. Stress does not add to your life. It takes away from it. When we were missionaries in China and our daughter Kennedy was about two years old, I went through this season of being very anxious, being very worried about something specifically. And it was, I was worried, I was eat up with, with worry about Kennedy getting run over uh, because we walked everywhere in China. We didn't have a car. And uh, the traffic was just crazy. We lived in a city of about 11 million, two different cities of about 11 million. And so that, you know, cars driving on the sidewalk and all that craziness. And so I just had this fear, this anxiety that, that she would slip out of my hands and she'd get run over. And so, you know, sleepless nights and stomach aches and the whole thing. I just couldn't get past this whole thing until finally it just hit me. The Lord just said, hey, is it helping anything? Is your worry and your anxiety, is it actually adding to Kennedy's lifespan? 
The answer was no. Is it adding to my life? The answer is no. So finally, I just had to give that up to God. I had to say, I'm not going to do this anymore because it doesn't actually change anything. It did nothing to help my situation or Kennedy's. It dawned on me, worry is stupid. It does nothing to help your situation. You sitting there worrying, giving yourself over to your anxiety, calling all your worrywart friends to come over so you can have a worrywart wrestling match to see who can worry the best. Talking on the phone for hours about what you're worried about over and over and over. It does nothing to help you. It only hurts you. It hurts the quality of your life physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It does no good. It only hurts. Look at verse 28. Jesus says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Listen to this. O you of little faith. Jesus ties faith to worry, but not in a good way, right? He goes, worry is short-sighted. It's stupid. And write this down. Worry is serious. It's a serious deal. It distrusts and disbelieves our good and power, powerful God. It distrusts and disbelieves the goodness and power of our God. What I'm saying is it's kind of a big deal. You giving into your worry and your anxiety, it's kind of a big deal. It's not something you can just brush off. It's not something that just goes away. It's not something that you're just doing to your body and to you physically and your life here on earth and your relationships here on earth. This thing affects your relationship with God. Jesus goes, look at the birds and the flowers. They don't worry, and they're taken care of by their heavenly Father. How much more does God want to do that for you? When you worry, you're not believing this. You're not believing God. You're either not believing that he is good, or you're not believing that he is powerful. He's either unable to do this, or doesn't love you enough to do it. One of those or both. Worry is believing God can't or won't get it right. What I'm saying is that faith and worry cannot occupy the same space. They can't. They can't both be present because faith, or worry I should say, is the absence of faith. It's the distrust of God's goodness and power. I included this point in this message today because my fear is that we won't take this seriously. That we'll look at it as like the doctor's advice about eating healthy and exercising and we may have a season where we do good and a season where we do bad and we think, well, everybody kind of has this problem. I mean, I worry, but no big deal. I mean, everybody worries, right? My fear is that we'll just kind of brush it off like no big deal, but this is a big deal. It's a big deal. It's serious. This thing is serious. This is you not believing God. This is you not trusting God. This is you not really believing what you say you believe about God. Faith and worry cannot occupy 
the same space. Worry is, in fact, the absence of faith. Check out what Jesus says next about worry in verse 31. Jesus says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Worry is short-sighted, it's stupid, it's serious, and in the end, worry is sinful. It's sinful. It's what the world does. It's not what the believer does. Jesus says again, don't be worried. Don't be anxious. Don't run after the things of this world. That's what the world does. He's going again, don't be like them. Don't be like the Gentiles who run after all those things, who worry after all those things. He's going, you've got to be different. If you're going to be in my family, you're going to be different than the world, Jesus says. We as Christ followers are supposed to look different, act different, talk different, be different. If there's no difference between you and your non-believing neighbor, then what's the point? I mean, what's the point? We're supposed to be different. If you live the same as non-believers, you're no different than them. If you talk the same as non-believers, you're no different than them. And listen, if you worry the same as those who do not know Christ, who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you're no different than them, right? They don't have the hope we're supposed to have in Christ, the power we're supposed to have in Christ, the joy we're supposed to have in Christ. Those things should affect what we worry about, when we worry, how we worry. It's sinful to worry. It's worldly. It's not what a Christ follower does. So what are you worried about? What are you anxious about? If you look around at your non-believing, non-Christian family members and friends and neighbors and co-workers, do you worry about the same things that they worry about? Do you worry more than them or less? Do you worry in the same way as they do? I mean, are you different at all in what you worry about or the amount of worry you have in your life? It should be different. Worry is, is sinful. And I think some of us just need to take a moment and just repent of that sin. Just ask God to forgive us. To ask God to, to help us. To tell God, we haven't been believing you. I haven't been believing you, trusting you. I've allowed myself to live this life of worry, this life of sin, and I need help getting out of it. Ask the Holy Spirit to transform you in this way. I think some of us probably probably need to repent. So the, these are the red letters of Jesus on worry in Matthew chapter 6. It's short-sighted. It's stupid. It's serious. It's sinful. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Thanks for coming to Great Oaks. We'll see you guys next week. We're going to have our worship team come up, sing a new song called Worry is Dumb. It's going to be great. Prayer team to the side. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Jesus has an answer to this. He has a couple keys for us uh, to think about, to wrestle with. And so what 
should you do when you're stressed, when you're anxious? Before we look at that, let me just ask you this question. What do you do when you're worried, when you're stressed, when you're anxious? What do you do right now? What's, what's your MO? Like, what do you do? For some of you, it's, some of you, it's sin, temptation. You really give in to temptation when you're at your highest stress level, when you're at your highest anxiety, anxiousness, worry level, right? For some of you, it's sin. For some of you, it's, it's shopping spree. Like, that's what you do. Like, you know, people can tell you're worried and anxious and stressed because you got new clothes on, right? Um, it's a shopping spree kind of deal. For some of you, it's eating. You eat when you're stressed. What do you do when you're stressed? What do you do when you're, when you're anxious? For some of you, it's alcohol. It's, man, if I could just get home to that cold beer, then I'd be good to go. I mean, I read your Facebook posts, so... I've seen that. So what do you do? What do you do when you're anxious? When you're stressed? Jesus is going to tell us what we should do. What we should do. Because he loves us. But he's going to go a different direction than we would probably go with our friends who are stressed and anxious. Like most of us, if, if we were talking to our friends about worry and anxiety and stress, we would all kind of talk about how, let me, let me look at your schedule. Like what is, is it too full? Maybe we need to take some things off your plate. You know, if our friends are talking about how their minds are just overcome with worry, they just sit around and worry all day. Maybe we might say something like, hey, you need to get a hobby. Like you need to go out and do something. Get your mind thinking about something else. We would talk about those things, right? We would talk about reordering their lives and all of that. If we're super spiritual, we might even say you should pray. You should pray when you're worried. You know, you should pray that the Holy Spirit would give you peace, that the Holy Spirit would give you comfort, joy, all of that. That's what you and I would do if we were, if we were in Jesus' spot. And, and none of that is bad advice. It's all good advice. But that, that's actually not that's not what Jesus says. That's not where he goes, which is kind of interesting. Look at the next verse, verse 33 in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus has just said, worry is senseless. It's all these things we just talked through. You shouldn't do it. He goes, but instead, instead of that, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus' answer to stress and worrying is to redirect our focus off of ourselves and onto God and his kingdom and his righteousness. So he says, you know what the, pro- the problem is, or at least part of the problem is, is that you're too focused on yourself. You're so self-centered that it's got you spiraling out of control in your worry and in your anxiety and in your stress. If all you ever do is think about yourself, you're going to end up stressed and worried and anxious. But, Jesus says, if you start thinking about your father, his kingdom, what it means to be righteous in his eyes, you seek after those things, it'll completely alter the structure of your life. If you get to focus off of yourself and onto the kingdom of God, then worrying won't be an issue. You won't be consumed with anxiety and worry and stress. It just won't be the case. <laughs> it's actually kind of funny. Guy walks up to Jesus and goes, I'm freaking out, Jesus. I'm stressed. I'm full of anxiety. I need some help. What should I do? Jesus goes, well, the problem is First, worry, worry is really dumb. And secondly, you're just self-centered. You're just thinking about yourself all the time. 
you'd stop thinking about yourself and start seeking after God's kingdom, you'd be fine. Most of the stuff you're worried about is silly. And look at the grass. Look at the birds. They don't worry. You're like, wow, thanks, Jesus. <laughs> awesome pep talk. That was great. Jesus' answer to stress, anxiety, worry is to say stress goes away when you stop focusing on yourself and focus on God instead. And he says that if you do that, all these things will be added to you. To be clear, when he says all these things, he's talking about the things that he just mentioned in this passage, namely food and clothing. So what Jesus is saying is that your necessities, the things that you need, will be provided for you if you'll seek after God, his kingdom, his righteousness. These things will be added to you. You can trust God for these things, all these things. Some people, some pastors, some believers or, or Christians would, would say that what this means is that everything will be added to you. Instead of all these things, they read this as everything will be added to you. So they'll say things like, if you get your life right with God, if you seek after the kingdom and his righteousness first, then, then God will give you everything you want. So you, so you can have the Ferrari and you can go into debt for the new car and the new house. And like, that's totally fine because God will give you everything you want. But he's not actually saying that. He's saying, I'll give you what you need to accomplish what I've called you to accomplish. You just focus on God and his kingdom and have faith in his provision. It's not saying that you'll never have a problem, that it's smooth sailing from here. He's saying you can trust him to provide. So Jesus says, maybe you shouldn't be so self-centered. That's the answer. Like Maybe you should take your focus off of yourself and onto God, and your stress would go away. Now, look at what he says next. I told you he'd give us two keys to this whole thing. Verse 34, I love this verse. It's one to highlight, one to put on your wall. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be what? Anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Here's the truth I want to leave you with. God has not given you what you need to do, what he's called you to do tomorrow. He's not given you what he wants, what you need to do, what he's called you to do next week or next year or the next 10 years. That's not the way it works. It doesn't work that way. God has given you everything you need to handle today, not tomorrow. Lamentations says that his mercies are new every morning. Every morning when you wake up and the sun comes up, God's grace and his mercy and his power is renewed towards you. Isn't that awesome? Every single morning there's this promise that the sun comes up and his grace and his mercy is renewed towards you. So what happened yesterday is gone. But listen, this too. What could happen tomorrow what could happen next week? What could happen when I retire? What could happen in 10 years from now? That's not included in that either. His mercy, his grace, his power, it's here for you today, to use for today. And then tomorrow will be the same. It'll be renewed towards you. And the next day, it'll be renewed towards you for that day. God has given you everything you need to handle today, not tomorrow. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't add tomorrow's trouble to today. God didn't give you what you need to handle that. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You tracking with me? 
He's given you everything you need to handle today. So many of us are overwhelmed by stress, anxiety, worry. And a lot of it is stuff that could be or might be someday. A lot of it is stuff that happened a long time ago or may happen down the road. A lot of it is stuff we can't even affect, we can't even change. And there was a study done not too long ago uh, where the subjects were asked to, to write down all the things that they were worried about over a prolonged period of time and then to identify out of those things how many were real, how many actually happened, how many were things that they should have been worried about. And it was crazy. The study showed that 85% of the things that they worried about never took place. 85% of what they were worried about, it wasn't even real. It was imagined. It was just out of them. It wasn't even real. Something that might happen tomorrow or someday. God's going, I didn't set it up that way. I didn't create you that way. I didn't create you to handle tomorrow today. I didn't create you to carry tomorrow's troubles today. That's not how I made this work. He's going each day, one day at a time, my mercies are new every single morning towards you. Think about today. Handle today. Focus on today. I've given you everything you need. To accomplish what I've called you to accomplish today. Today. In other words, if you're worried and stressed, could it be that you're trying to carry something that you were never designed to carry? Like, if you're stressed, if you're anxious, if you're worried, could it be that you've stretched out to grab something that you weren't supposed to grab in the first place. To lift something that was God's to lift. Could it be that you're stressed out, just falling apart under the stress and the weight of something that is God's to hold up? Could it be that you're the kid in the back of the van? Going, what about lunch? How can we make it without lunch? I'll die if I don't eat lunch. And God's the dad going, have I ever starved you before? Have I ever led you down before? Have have I ever not provided what you need before? God's going, Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Look at the lilies. Look at the birds. They don't worry. And how much more do I love you? All you have to do is trust me and not let the worries of tomorrow invade today. Let's pray. Jesus, You're so good to us, and I just thank you that that your words ring true and that they matter and that they transform us, that you want to help us, that you want to walk alongside us, that you care about things that we care about, and it's because you've experienced what we've experienced. And so, Jesus, I thank you that you left heaven, came to earth to prove your love for us. 
to get glory for yourself and for your Father. I thank you, Jesus. Lord, as the truth of Scripture has just gone forth, I pray that it would that it would find good soil, that the seeds of your truth would find good soil in the hearts of many, and that transformation would happen, and like Pastor Jesse prayed, that we would leave here a little different than we came in, more like Jesus than we were before we came in. In the area of worry, Lord, anxiety, stress, we're so stressed. I pray, Jesus, that you would move on our hearts. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this moment, into this place right now, With our eyes closed and our heads bowed, if you're in this place and you would say, man, I, I struggle with worry. Maybe it's not a clinical you know, diagnosis of anxiety or, or meds or whatever, but maybe it is. But may, maybe you're just saying, yeah, I, I'm thinking about things. I'm, I'm worrying about I find myself worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next year, 10 years from now. Things that I can't even control, I'm just worrying about those. No, no matter where you're at on the spectrum of that, in severity, but you're going, I need to give this to God because it's sinful, it's serious, I'm not believing him, it doesn't do anything for me. If that's you, just, just begin to tell him that. Just in your own words, in your own heart, just begin to say, God, I need your help. I, I want faith, I don't want worry. And Worry is the absence of faith, and it can't occupy the same space as faith. And so, God, I, I want... I don't want worry. I want faith. I need your help, Jesus. I need your help. If you're in here and you would say that that's you, that you, you struggle at some level with worry and all that, I want you to hear, I'm always trying to get us to think about how this, this time on Sunday mornings and, and really all, all moments in our lives as we approach the scripture and as we pray, as we interact with our good and powerful God, that it's not just educational and academic, but that we believe in a God and a Holy Spirit who can transform lives, who can change you in a moment even. And so right now, right in this place, I want to have a moment. I want to give you a moment where we ask God to release you from the bondage and the chains of worry, anxiety, and stress. And so I'm, I'm going to ask God, and if you're in this place and you would say, that's me, I've got some worry issues, man, I, I want to give it to Jesus, and more than that, I want freedom. And if you're, maybe you don't know Jesus, maybe you're not walking with him, maybe you haven't given your life to him, and this is a foreign idea to you, but it's drawing you in this moment to give your life over to Christ, to give him your worries, to give him your troubles to give him your doubts and to finally say, I trust you, I surrender to you. Maybe that's you. But if you're any of those people, Christian or non-Christian, and you're going, I want to give this weight that I've been carrying, that I've been living under, this oppressive weight, I want to get it off of my shoulders. And I want freedom. I want to pray a prayer of faith over you. So if that's you, would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Yeah, hands going up all over this place. Hold them high. Hold them high. Let's pray. Let's pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we take authority over this bondage that is stress and worry and anxiety. In Jesus' name, we break the bonds and the chains. 
We ask, God, that your power would move in this place and that you would set us free. God, we long for your freedom. And so we pray, Jesus, that it would reign in this place in this moment, that we would leave here freed from the chains of worry, anxiety, stress. And in place of that, God, that our hearts, our souls, our minds would be filled with a faith, a belief that you have given us everything we need to accomplish what you've called us to accomplish today. We give you that. We give you that. We ask for your freedom today, Jesus, once and for all. Let us not pick up this stress, this anxiety, this worry again. Let us never pick it up again, Lord. We trust you for this. As always, God, I pray that whatever is of you would stick with us this week, would haunt us, would change us, would never leave us, and whatever was of me today in this sermon would be quickly forgotten. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everybody who wants freedom said, amen. Well, I thought we'd get a little more excited than that. Everybody who wants freedom said amen. Why don't you stand with me? I believe that we serve a God who can change your life, give you the freedom you so long because you long that, you desire that because God has created you not for bondage but for freedom. But I can't start preaching again because we're already out of time, right? So here's my prayer for you today. May we realize the complete waste of time that worrying is. May we take our focus off of ourselves and put it on God, His kingdom, and His righteousness. And may we lean into God's mercy, grace, and power for today. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. As always, make sure you talk this over with the life group. Get plugged into a life group out in the foyer if you haven't already done that. And my challenge to you is always the same, that you not let this stop with you. That just like you were helped to take your next step towards God today, that you would go out and help others take their next steps towards God. Be Jesus followers who make and disciple other Jesus followers. See you next week for our last week in this Red Letter series.